Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Ahoy, shipmates. How are you? Uh, this is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. I hope you are well, and I genuinely do mean I hope you're well. Uh, reflecting on the last round of games in the FAWC and the WSL and a little bit around the side, it's like your Christmas dinner with the trimmings, if that's what you like in February. Um, questions that I have, and I'm always posing questions because I think it's just a good, you know, it's a good way to start a conversation and a good, a good thought process. And I'm always reflecting on things. Uh, and I was at a game this weekend, um, Crystal Palace versus London City Lionesses. Um, I'll talk about that in a little bit. And I, I saw one of the players who'd, who'd been out injured for a long time. And uh, there was a question about, you know, coming back from an injury. And I thought, hmm, injury, what does that mean to you as a player? What does that mean to us as fans? And then it got me to think about insurance. So I'll ask a question about that a little bit later. A little bit later. Uh Earlier this week, I was on another pod um, talking about football, as you do. And there was a little kind of like glimmer into my mind when someone asked me about what I thought about the season so far. And, you know, in terms of that, it's been OK. It's been not bad. But I had I had spin-off questions from that. You know, what, what would the football world be like if supporters were just consumers? Um and I mean by consumers that they just consumed football. What would it mean in the in the most minimal sense? What would that mean to the football world, and what would that mean to supporters um, choosing whether to go and watch a game live or watch it on TV or just not go? Choosing whether or not you can afford to watch games on a game by game basis because your financial situation changes or will change or could potentially change in this new modern world of austerity that austerity is not modern but you know what i mean um deciding or not to have lengthy you know conversations about the game with other friends and fans and supporters you just went and watched the game and you went home or you just watched the, t the, the game on tv and then you switched over you didn't do anything on social media you didn't do anything on or, you know, when you met up with your friends at work, you didn't do it. You, you refrained from having any comments at all about the game, about the goals, about the ref. You know, you simply went to watch the game and you left and you didn't and you just took it as a as a consumer, you know, nothing that you had any real passion about. There was no emotion to you had no real connection. It was just something you did. You watched it. It was a box set and you thought, okay, on to the next thing. And you went on and you watched, you watched Disney's new Disney, Disney program, what's going on. You did all of that. What, what would, what would you do? How would that feel? And um, so much of what has been said, and the question was asked to me about, you know, how do I think about the season so far? And, you know, what do I think about Sky and, you know, personal opinions about Sky. I'm sure they're doing a fantastic job and they're putting out content that will please their subscribers. But, you know, I am from a generation where football was on the TV free to air. Um, financial situation in the family household, minimal, you know, working class family, you know, hand to mouth stuff, no brand clothing, no sharp trainers, you know, real, real life stuff. 
but I still love football. Um, did my lack of access to the game on the screen or in, in, in going through the turnstiles, did that diminish my ability to like the game? No. Did it stop me from playing it? Maybe to a certain level. Um, but did my connection to it change as I became more aware of the financial acumen that the, the, the world of football has and the expectation it has of fans to spend money? Probably. So with that in mind, I thought, what, is it, what will it mean for those who are younger than myself, more in tune with this modern world where you can have expendable cash and you can do all you want all the time and never really think anything about it because, you know, you're in love with the game. You're a fanatic, you're a fan, which means in fanatic in its sense, you know, an, an overwhelming desire and expression of a particular thing, usually uh, a religion or political party, but football is in the mix because it's got a little bit of both. What does it mean? And where will, and what and what will that mean for you as a football lover? You know, as time goes by, will you shift away? And I found myself doing that because I was so entwined and attached to one particular club. I thought you're taking too much of my time and money. And I like the game. And I realized that by pigeonholing myself to one team, I was limiting myself in terms of what everyone calls the blue, beautiful game. I was handicapping myself, for a better word, making myself kind of, you know, immune and numb to everything else. It's just not what you want. You want to embrace everything. You want to feel everything. You want to touch everything. You want to see everything. You want to talk about everything. So to, 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 to release myself from the, the shackles that there is to be a part of one particular club and you only can be one particular club, I feel, I feel quite free. I feel alive. But it's not for everyone to be alive. It's not for everyone. We're going to talk about um, the FAWC and how that's shaping up. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the WSL and what's happening there. Shock, horror, goals galore, wonder goals to boot, and some other things apart from that. <laughs> Ah, it's all food for thought, isn't it? Uh, FAWC News flashback round up. Big, big shock. I went down to watch Crystal Palace play uh, London City Lionesses. Two teams in the top half of the table. Yes, they are and really going well. Crystal Palace, not so much. I've had a few blips, but let's talk about the game. Uh, biggest shock prior to kickoff for me was the omission of Annabelle Johnson. The Palace captain has been ever present uh, for Crystal Palace for the past two seasons. So it was a bit of a shock, a bit of a shock uh, to see her on the bench. Um, considering recent results, form, etc., cetera, um, I can see why, but it was a shock. Uh, and to boot, before the game had kicked off, as, as we were settling down to, to watch it in the drizzly rain. It wasn't drizzly, it was horrible. Um, news of um, Bristol, 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 um, playing outstandingly to get a result, it would seem, away from home against, against a tough team called Durham. A tough team called Durham, indeed. 
but in terms of Annabelle Johnson, um, you know, considering the recent uh, games that Crystal Palace have had uh, against Bristol away and Liverpool, uh, they had heavy defeats, goal, goals conceded, obviously kind of pushes your morale in the wrong way. Um, and it's not what you want, you know. And uh, as I say, Bristol City had already, by the time the game had started, already wrapped up um, a 3-0 win away to Durham. So the stakes for this game were extremely high, very, very high, because, you know, everyone wants to get close to Liverpool in case Liverpool trip up or had tripped up. Uh, so in terms of the game itself, early patterns of the game, you could see that Crystal Palace were trying to press high and it looked in their favour. They were using it well. They were trying to close down and they were trying to stop uh, London City Lionesses oh, stroke LCL. I'll use LCL because it's just, you know, London City Lionesses, it's like a tongue twister, uh, building up from the back. And um, they were aiming to pile on the pressure uh, it, with regards to the LCL keeper who didn't have her best game in the previous previous round, um, and which was against them. Um, so, you know, the pressure was on, the pressure was there, and they were, you know, trying to knit passes together. And it would, you know, both teams had a good balance in terms of possession, either and trying to create things in the middle. Um, but uh, it wouldn't go their way in the end. But it, before the end, we can talk about the bits that did go well. So pressure early on, um, Palace to call, um, Palace to corner, corner to Palace, um, you know, early in the in the first 10 minutes, uh, but nothing would come from that. So there was a sign that they were trying to make sure that that, that, that the LCL tried to kick, tried to force them to kick in such a, a difficult, on a difficult afternoon. Um, it was interesting to see the individual matchups between the players. Um, to see how they would get along um, and what they would do once they were in possession of the ball, how they would move the ball, how they would manipulate it. Would they have the patterns of play that would um, kind of mark them out for success that afternoon? Uh, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, talked quite frequently when I've spoken to the Crystal Palace manager. I've, I've, I've liked Lizzie Waldy, you know, young player who's 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 got scope to be really, really good. And I wanted to see how she would handle an experienced Moya for uh, London City Lionesses. And it was an interesting battle. You know, you could see from the early parts of the game, uh, close marking or across the pitch. Definitely Waldy was trying to stay as close as possible to Moya in the early stages as visible trying to make sure that she got her tackles in early so that she didn't out to turn. Muya is very, very well balanced player. Uh, had the ability to control it in either fort, change of direction, great. Um, seems to glide across the, the pitch with ease, it, despite her frame looking very slight, but very, very strong. Um, so uh, close marking for her, and there were quite a few wholehearted challenges uh, right across the middle of the pitch. You know, um, uh, LCL attack, when they do attack, what I've say from the game in the first half, that they would stretch the play very, very well. They would move the ball from left to right, right to left. And uh, to try and compensate in terms of covering in the middle, Crystal Palace, especially when the, the back four were exposed to the LCL attacks, Waldy would drift in to uh, the centre-back areas, which would leave loads of space out wide for Muya, and that would allow her to pull out wide. And obviously, when you're a tricky winger, 
you pull out wide, you have space in front of you. And it gives you confidence every time you touch the ball going towards the defender because you're then thinking, I'm going to isolate you and either do a trick or go past you and put the cross in. So in, in terms of LCL's play, very good, very intelligent movement from them across the um, across the pitch, moving it one, two, one on two touch. Uh, Muya um, uh, staying out wide when required. Um providing plenty of space, as I say, to, 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 to move into and isolate her opponent during the game. Did that frequently um, throughout the 90 minutes. Uh, and it would be one of the keys to um, LCL success in that game. Now, you know, up until halftime, I would never have said that this game was going to go the way it was. I would never have said that despite Crystal Palace conceding the goals that they did, that the scoreline reflected the game. It didn't um, because they had a fair few chances. Um, but also, it's really important to remember, and it's something I mentioned when I did speak to the Crystal Palace manager at the end, Dean, um, that it's easy to forget that Palace are a, a part-time team. You know, they're a part-time team with a host of players still gaining experience, having full-time jobs, having to then come in and train four times a week because that's going to take, it, take its time on them and their family lives. And the apart from the emotional toil, but the physical toil, um, obviously you can have stamina and everything like that, but you're doing two jobs. It's very difficult when you're facing teams that are full-time and that's their sole job and they can structure their training uh, in a very particular way, which benefits them. But needless to say, Crystal Palace, uh, in terms of their endeavour, in terms of their effort, in terms of their application, um, did themselves well. You know, they did the sums well, really, really did. Uh, despite the scoreline, despite how things panned out and everything else, they did apply and try and work their socks off. And I believe their fans will will no doubt be proud of what they saw, are proud of the application and are proud of, and very proud of their effort. Um, whenever I see LCR, I'm always kind of looking out to see um, how they, they match up and they, they constantly make changes. Um, certain players, um, Hayley Nolan, um, started um, uh, in defence alongside Harley Bennett. Harley Bennett, um, who you know is very brave in possession, coming out with the ball on occasions, overplayed it a couple of times, um, which caused her to lunge into a couple of challenges and was very fortunate, I thought, in my opinion, uh, not to receive a card. And uh, I think the Palace fans might have um, uh, made that quite clear. And I did see actually quite something quite funny on Twitter uh, when I think LCL were kind of talking about the game. They asked the uh, LCL team if they'd actually dropped off the referee, if they dropped the ref home safely. You know, it's the source, the source of that tweet. Um, but anyway, in terms of the game, more LCL attacks would develop throughout the game. Um, great link-up play between uh, Primus and, and, and Rouse. Um, you know, causing some kind of, I'd say mayhem is a really strong word, but you say mayhem in terms of around the, the, the Palace defence in midfield. Um, LCL really able to move the ball fluidly. And we're only 15 minutes in, you know. Uh, and on the 16th minutes, we see a very ambitious ball play forward by Haynes Baptiste. Uh, unfortunately, he's called offside, but there was a good strike, um, which would see Yanez in goal for LCL push the ball over the bar. She will feel good about that. I'm sure she did, considering um, what happened in the previous game. Um, but in terms of the goal, um, the goal itself, the first goal of the afternoon was was created well outside the box. Good link-up play and passing. 
and you know a, a, a long distance strike uh, from Fleming. It was low, it was precise, and it skidded along the floor past the keeper, who unfortunately just couldn't get to the ball. So you know, it 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 kind of set the tone in a sense for for the game. Even though up until that point and beyond that point for the rest of the first half, Crystal Palace did acquit themselves well. It didn't, despite the goal. You would never have said that they were due to be one nil down or worth or or, or 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 deserved to be is a better word one nil down uh, sometime after that we would see a good goal in fact it is what i call a whoa moment which um, i was sat quite close to the palace media team it's not it's not wise when you do a whoa uh, when you're you're the, the team that's hosting you is playing another team away. Uh, but it was a, a well moment for me. Um, a goal from um, Amy Rogers. Uh, build up again down the line. Very good. Napier and Hopcroft, who starts, um, seems as if she'd been playing with the team for, for, for months. I can say years, but months. Uh, ball inside to Rogers, who had the time and the composure to send the ball curling past the diving Palace keeper. That's, that's on the 21st minute. And, and then... Uh, only a few minutes later, uh, 24th minute, uh, an on goal from Palace following a deep corner. Uh, Orman uh, came out to, to catch, didn't catch, didn't punch, missed it, didn't collect, and the ball ends up in the back of the net. So, you know, from a game where both teams are competing quite um, evenly, um, good, good passage of play uh, between both teams. I would say LCL did have in terms of the ball on the ground, a little bit more in terms of their play, slightly more uh, precision in their passing. But in the space of um, a short period of time, we see three goals uh, in, in, in a frequency of every three minutes. You know, so for, from LCL, they seized the moment uh, at, at key points and that key point for them was to see them 3-0 up at half time. And, you know, we're still in the first half and there's still a possibility that Crystal Palace could actually kind of come back into the game. Um, you would see Wilson making her way into the box, approaching goal, and she was block barged. And I have to say block barged as a as a as a dual uh, application in terms of what it looked like. It looked like a block barge uh, challenge by Fitzgerald. Uh, the, the 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 Palace fans were adamant it was a penalty. The ref waved on, and. Um, you can see the, the, the well. The, the Palace fans made themselves very clear that they, they weren't happy, and I'm sure the Palace players weren't happy. Uh, on the 30-minute mark, um, Millie Farrell has a one-on-one, -on -one. and this is the moment really where Palace should kind of find the back of the net. And unfortunately, Farrell doesn't make that happen. Uh, good save by Yanez. Unable to lift the ball over um, the keeper. Uh, this was the moment for Palace to try and get back into the game. It was in the first half. This was the moment they had a chance and it didn't work. Yanez will feel great. Would have felt great about that save because um, it kept the game, you know, with three clear goals. And you, you, you kind of thought that if Palace did get one back, it might have changed the momentum a little bit at that point. But, you know, um, the save brings around a rallying cry from both sets of players on the benches on their benches and the management and you can see the players on the pitch react as well so um again not long after that Farrell is through again great control 
but unable to get the ball past the keeper again. Um, Yelez, in, in terms of the duel, you know, Yelez is dominating the duel, you know, um, which is, I suppose, if you're a striker and you're one-on-one with a, a keeper, you, you always feel, I would say, confident that you're going to score, score or at least go around. But the, the conditions as well are very difficult as well. So, you know, you kind of allow those things to be a factor in terms of your judgment as to whether a player should or shouldn't score. But that, that's how it went out. For, for Farrell at, at that time. Um, you know, and, and despite Mini um, Farrell's, you know, hard working runs along Baptiste, you know, the, the LCL backline were really troubled. Even with the chances, they didn't seem to be too rattled, frazzled by the attempts. There were lots of um, attempts you'd say in terms of when there were balls in the box but the, the LCL defenders were able to get close enough to block tackles Fleming blocking tackle Nolan blocking tackle um the the Fleming one which you know I mean, it looked like Baptiste was there to to, to, to toe, poke the ball towards the goal a great reaction from Fleming to to to, to get close and block it and um stop any any kind of ball you know goal being conceded you know so in terms of both teams you know it is a it is a london derby and what i will say is that the referee you know who got a bit of a a bit of a a, a kind of not harassment but you know the fans are vocal because when things don't go their way you know I, i felt that the referee really did let the game go and treated it as a derby you know because some referees can be they can be apart from one whistle happy, they can be card happy. And this referee didn't seem to be card happy and did and did let certain things go, uh, which kind of was in, you know, in line with the game itself being a London derby and the the importance of the game and, and the referee, you know, I'm gonna say did did not too bad considering because you know both teams would have wanted all three points and, and considering the position in the league, etc. It's it's really, really good. Um so from, you know, what I will say about Crystal Palace, they didn't necessarily always have the same level of fluidity on the ball as um, LCL. And that could be just due to the number of goals they've conceded in the, the previous two games, which does kind of leave you a little bit shell-shocked when you're conceding goals and you're not sure how to stop goals being conceded. And you know, as I said at the beginning, Annabelle Johnson was on the bench, which was, you know, for me, a bit of a shock. But, you know, within the space of 30 minutes or so, they're 3-0 down. Um, so it's not necessarily about them just playing out from the back and trying to beat the press. But there were issues in terms of the opportunities that uh, LCL created um, around the box. Um, Palace weren't cl- close enough, weren't quick enough to the ball. And the Rogers goal is very, very good. But, you, you know, from the flip side, you'll probably think, should there have been a player closer to Emmy Rogers? Um, the ability to look up and take time and to shoot um, says something as well about the other side, not kind of anticipating or being aware of that kind of movement. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was a very kind of interesting game, especially in, in the first 45, because you could sense that, this is a team that had previously conceded quite a few goals uh, in the previous game and then came out and showed a very different kind of display in the second half. Could that happen again? Um, so, you know, Crystal Palace were going at halftime 3-0 down, no changes in the second half. And, um, you know, 
despite an early kind of, it would seem like a wave of a, a, a short periods of attack from Crystal Palace in terms of their movement. They were more further forward. They were more um, aggressive in terms of being getting closer to the ball. But you could sense their frustration. You could hear the frustration when passes weren't being made to their to their colleagues. Um, in terms of LCL, they still seem to move the ball very very well. Um, Hopcroft. Um, just seemed to kind of glide across the park and seemed to be aware of players and 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 the system that LCR operating. Um, ten minutes into the second half, um, again, Paul Markin, um, LCR score, heads home, Rouse again, and then and then literally one minute after that, um, Mini Farrell finally gets a goal, one on one with the keeper, slots it past Yanez. Uh, and it makes the game 4-1. And, and at that point, there, there's literally like 30-plus minutes left, 35 minutes left, maybe 32. So you're thinking, OK, it's it's possible. Crystal Palace have got themselves back on the score sheet. Um, four goals to one doesn't look too bad. It's still possible for, to, to, for a team to score three goals in that period of time. Um, but they run out of time. They, they do run out of time uh, overall. Um, so much of 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 LCL's play just had a, 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 um, a notch above uh, Crystal Palace. It, they were able to do things far more fluidly, far more easily. And um, yeah, Primus uh, periods seemed to kind of glide, gentle touches on the ball, very graceful, being able to play the ball around, link up very well. Moya again, drifting into the middle of the field, battled well, linked well with teammates. Uh, Palace just not quick enough to anticipate the movement or or prevent the pass. Um, you know, uh, and, and as for the, the, the last goal, um, you know, cross over to, to Primus and finished by Rogers, uh, totally unmarked. Keeper won't be happy. Um, he's a young keeper, very young keeper, um, who who shows signs of being a, a good keeper in time. But it's all of those goals going in are are part of the learning, unfortunately, for her um, and for for Crystal Palace. It's an exciting league to watch. It's an exciting game to to view. Um, Crystal Palace have done very, very well this season. They've had a bit of a lull. Um, they're still close to um, the rest of the, the gang at the top of the table. They're not far off, but, you know, um, you know, they're sitting in sixth place. But, but, but a defeat like that following another defeat on the road and then, you know, uh, a heavy defeat at home by, by Liverpool does knock your confidence a little bit, a little bit. Um, and the attendance at that game, the Crystal Palace versus London City Lionesses game, was 272. Uh, so all in all, it will be very interesting um, in the next few weeks when uh, London City Lionesses play the, the rearranged fixture against Bristol, who have done very, very well this weekend, very well. And um, we can talk more about that after this. Kirby and Kerr, unbelievable.
We're not going to talk about them, Kirby and Kerr. No, 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 no. It's FAWC stuff. That's what we're talking about. So to go over the results for the FAWC, as we know, it was uh, Crystal Palace 1, London City Lioness is 5. Durham at home hosting Bristol City 3. Boom. Big up Bristol. Go there. Go there. Uh, Coventry 1, Charlton 1, with um, not so much last-minute equaliser, but an equaliser in the last 10 minutes is, is kind of last minute. Uh, Coventry still showing that they have fight in their fight. Uh, Liverpool, it would take them some time, but they did get the win and they scored three goals to Sunderland's nil. And Sunderland saw a player leave the field following a red card. Sheffield United have had a little bit of a kind of con- patchy number of games where performances and the results haven't matched up. They take all three points with their 4-0 win against Blackburn Rovers. Blackburn feeling that defeat quite heavy. And Watford, um, despite the the changes of the new manager, they're still yet to kind of find their groove. They're at home. They hosted Lewis, who won two by two clear goals. Uh, for Bristol, you would see uh, Beaver Jones, Beaver Jones score. Beaver Jones get on the score sheet. Beaver Jones. Yeah, everyone likes Beaver Jones. Isn't it? Big win. And Abby Harrison, they get on the mark there. Uh, Coventry, Hughes for them would score. Uh, and Wilkinson, last year's top scorer in the championship, Kate Wilkinson, a massive point for them. But I have the question, is it a little bit too late for them? I don't know. Still time, but you just don't know. Charlton sit third in the league, just, just. Um, second half goals for Liverpool. Um, they were actually nil-nil at half time against Sunderland. Go figure, Sunderland. Um, Stengal from the penalty spot. Uh, Daniels and Bokerns in the last eight minutes of the game. Sunderland player sent off as mentioned. So uh, basically, it's Liverpool's league to lose. Really, the procession starts now or does it just saying just saying a massive win for Sheffield United as I mentioned four goals right they've got a player back right they've had a player who's missing for a while due to injury Mm, excuse me Mm. uh Rima Lord Mears right scored one of the goals been missing for a while such a talented and graceful player on the pitch um the return to um her return Sees Sheffield uh, win comfortably, it looks like. Robertson Watsons add their goals in the second half uh, uh, to a, an own goal by Blackburn. So it was a tough day for Blackburn. Tough day. Uh, Blackburn sit 10th in the league. Sheffield are in 8th despite the win. And as for Watford, uh, their game at home, um, they lose to Lewis, as it says, by two goals. Tims and Hazard with the goals for Lewis. The, the league positions for both teams is far from pleasing for their base. So you think, oh gosh, no, the league position is terrible. Um, but it's not really, because when you look at it and you look on the board, Lewis have got 22 points. And, you know, their next opponent who sits second on the City Lionesses are on 28 points. So despite the league, having, you know, only so many teams, and you say 10th place and 8th place, it's quite close in terms of the number of points that are on the board and what can be achieved between now and the end of the season. It will be very interesting. I love the FAWC. I love all of the teams 
Oh, the tension, the tension. I love the tension. Who doesn't love the tension? You love the tension. Oh, I love a bad cup of tea. Cup of tea. Ooh, love the tea. Cup of tea. Right, WSL results and news. I don't know where that came from. Uh, WSL news results. Okay, right. A big game on Friday night. Friday night. Sort of the two big guns, Chelsea and Arsenal, um, play out a nil-nil draw. What else can you say? It was a draw. Uh, no real change for them. Opens the door for other teams in and around them. Everyone's sniffing around for Champions League. Can we get close? Can't we get close? Etc. Uh, scores and the draws. Uh, for them, Everton nil, Aston Villa two, Leicester three. Go on, Leicester, West Ham nil. Unlucky West Ham. Um, Manchester City one, Manchester United nil. Yeah. Uh, Birmingham nil, Tottenham two. Go on, you Spurs. And Brighton four. Go on, help pal. You that. Uh, Reading one. So, I mean, seriously, this is big, big, big news. And I say big news. It's I mean, come on, it's. It's the weekend, what do you want? Football, everyone loves a bit of football. But in terms of the, the, the league table, it's all very interesting. Arsenal top with 31 points. Chelsea, 29 points. Tottenham, 27 points. Manchester United, 25 points. Man City with 23 points. Reading with 22 points. Oh, my days. And even West Ham with 20 points. I've got to bring you in West Ham because you know what? Anything can happen in this league. So in terms of the fixtures, the biggest biggest, biggest results have got to go to like Brighton. I mean, I mean, wow. Four goals to one. Huge win for you guys. Uh, Kaylee Green with two. Um, Aileen Whelan and then, uh, is it Cosvista? I, I better get that right. Is that right? Uh, yeah, Cosvista. Cosvista. Uh, great. Um, Reading, unlucky, unfortunate. Who knew that was going to happen? It's really, a really, really good result for Brighton. It kind of makes it all interesting, especially at that in the middle of the table. Uh, teams going to play Brighton now will kind of be wary, thinking, mm, could they do that to us? Now, I know that the top three, four, five teams think that cannot happen to them. See the way I did that, two, three, four, five, because Man City are fifth. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, but it can happen. So you just, you just don't, you just don't know. Um, Spurs doing what they need to do got the points, pushed them back up into the, up the league. So they're there and thereabouts again. Uh, some some are writing Spurs off saying you know, what they don't have what it takes to, to, to get a Champions League um, spot. Just don't know. Just don't know. So what's really clear, just like the championship, and, and I'd say you, you can't write off teams before you've played them. You know, you've got to play the game. And I know everyone looks at the badge and says, oh, look at this badge. It means that I'm a really good player. Not necessarily. It means you just play for that team. So unless you win your battles, your individual battles, it doesn't matter. You know, a few weeks ago, things weren't looking necessarily great for Leicester. Leicester are in a very different position now. They've got some groove. They've got the groove on. They've, you know, a nice win for them. They're 10th in the league. They've got 12 points on the board. They've jumped above um, Everton, even though not Everton have got, excuse me, games in hand. You've got to win your games. So Leicester are doing their bit. Everton need to do their bit. Now, Everton are having a bit of a bad time. So they've got a, a, a few games coming up. I think they've got one live at Old Trafford, which everyone will probably tune into. 
and will add more pressure to them. There'll be an expectation for Manchester United to do well in, at Old Trafford, but between before then, there's a few other games to talk about. Now, the game that took place at the weekend, uh, the Manchester derby, who I was mildly interested, I was mildly interested in, just a little bit. Um, as derbies go, you know, didn't necessarily have the drama of London City Lionesses or Crystal Palace, I tell you, just didn't. Uh, but the, qual the goal the goal was of quality. The goal was was a very, very good goal. Now, from a Manchester United point of view, I'll say this. they didn't. It, 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 Manchester City played really well. It was like a training game for them. It's a very, very kind of controlled game. Uh, Alex Greenwood, I salute you. You're a top pro. You've had some knocks in terms of some of the fans not necessarily giving you the love and giving you the respect. But I, I actually acknowledge the fact that you, you're a left back who can play centre back and can play midfield. Great touch of the ball, great vision, good pass. I think Manchester City fans are really beginning to understand how good you are as a player, and, and what and your and what your attributes are, um, and very very integral to the win. Despite the goal being scored by someone else, if you've got a centre back who can find passes with range, short, uh, long, on the floor, in the air, delicate chips, the lot has it everything. So you know. Um, great for Manchester City. Manchester United on that have a hand, didn't play their best game, played very defensive, didn't do the high press. Um, their left and right back couldn't get up the field and and normally, um, you know, add weight to the attack as usually. So no, you know, uh, Bajé, I hope I pronounced the name correctly there because I'm going to get in real trouble. Uh, was very, very busy dealing with um, um, Hemp and Blundell, who's had a really good season, I think, um, found it very difficult to deal with Park, a very young Park, who I, I saw a year ago and just thought, OK, got a lot to learn. And then this year thinks, wow, like you're nearly the finished. You're just so intelligent on the ball. It's unreal. And you're only 20. Um, Manchester City have a really good young bunch of players coming through. They've got a good mix. They're going well. And they're still in the hunt. They're still in the hunt. That win, that 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 fantastic win for them, puts them back in in the mix. They've got twenty three points. Man United have got twenty five. Tottenham got twenty seven. So it's all interesting. And Chelsea have got twenty nine. So between the top two, they may battle it out and may drop points between now and the end of the season. So any team down to Manchester City, maybe even Reading, if you kind of put them into the mix, despite their loss against Brighton, can get themselves in and around the Champions League and be interested in next season. It's going to be a, a really, I'm not going to say straightforward end of the season, but it's going to be definitely something where players will, will feel the tension, they'll feel the, the, the pressure because it will come from within, not necessarily just from the fans and and and, and what's been written and said about them on, on social media and the papers, but they'll feel the pressure because they'll want to, to be a part of, of the Champions League. Every player, every fan knows what DAZN is doing in terms of the Champions League. We all have access to it. Thank you, DAZN. YouTube is the best thing since sliced bread. Respect to you again. Um, so, you know, despite Sky Sports, and going right back to what we said at the beginning, despite Sky Sports having the, the WSL, um, people still want to look beyond that and think it's all about the Champions League already. And in, and in a league where there's only 12 teams, don't get me started with the 12 teams. I don't want to do it today. Another day, but I'm not doing it today. 
I'm not doing it today. No, I'm not. I'm not. So it's all, 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 all interesting stuff. Very, very interesting. And it's what you want to see. And it's what you want to be involved in, don't you? Kirby and Kerr. Unbelievable. Okay, so look, you know, like I said at the start, I, I went to the game at the weekend and I had a little, very, very little chat with um, Lily Ag. Um, she was coming off and asked how she was. She's still kind of, you know, gingerly, gently coming back from an injury, but, you know, she's, she's there. She's there. She's part of the squad. And it, and, it, and it made me think about when players are injured. And I, I read and I can't recall the player's name had been out injured for a long time and just coming back, I think part of the Everton squad. Um, fallen out of love with the game, or may have not fallen out of love with the game, um, what it means to play, etc. So when players get injured, right, I know in the Premier League and other professional leagues that, that the insurance is, is dealt with by the club, you know, if players are injured, they get paid, etc. But the women game, in the women's game, it's very, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's very different, you know, because we saw Coventry nearly go to the wire and the PFA say, can't help you. So what happens when a player is injured? In the women's game, especially in the championship or national league, um, you know injuries are are part of the game. You know, small injuries, large injuries, they occur all the time. You know, muscle injuries, etc. What are the costs to the player in terms of the long term injury financially? You know, what what happens to them apart from the mental strain? We know there's a mental strain. We know that there might be a loss of appetite for the game, whether or not they feel they they're able to get back to the level that they were at. All of these things. Do they have the desire? To return, you know, especially if they're part time, as I mentioned earlier, because Palace got part time, they're part time team, they've got full time jobs, etc. You know, what does it mean for a player who's injured and is playing part time, and and they have to take time off from their their daytime job, their full time job, as it is? You know, are they insured by the club, or do they have to seek, do they have to seek personal private insurance? You know. What does it? What does it mean? What, what do they do? You know, the financial support. I'm, I tried. I, I tried to ask that question. Generally, I'm thinking. I'm not sure. And I, I did kind of send out a tweet, not tweet, direct message. But I, I, I thought, what is it? But it, it caused me to kind of go into Google and think sports insurance. And I remember when I was playing, you know, many years ago, and our, our manager for our Saturday and Sunday team said, "You guys need to be insured." And everyone was like, literally. They weren't, we weren't in great jobs. We didn't have much money. We are paying to play. You pay your subs. You pay the referee, whatever. You had to do all of that stuff, you know, get changed in the park when there was no change room, all of that. Just, you know, and someone said you, you got to buy insurance. You just didn't even think that you'd be, you'd be injured. You just thought, me? I haven't got money for that. Just about buying money for whatever it is, Twix and packet of crisps. I haven't got, I can't pay for insurance, but that's because me and my friends and my footballers are limited. We're just kind of thinking, we're just doing this. It's not a job. This is our keep fit stuff. But when you're working, when you have a contract, be it part-time, when you know that you turn up on a Sunday and there are fans who have paid their money to come in and see you or they're spending their time at home to watch you on the FA player, you know, what does that mean? How does that kind of factor into your life? And and and, and where does that fit in with the, with the, the club? Are the, is it the club's responsibility? Are they guiding players uh, in terms of 
you know, insurance in case they get injured? What, what, and what are the costs? Is it costly? Is there a cost, you know, this impact in terms of, you know, they're not making enough money and then losing money to pay for this insurance? But is it is it compulsory even? Is it an optional thing where they think, oh, you can take insurance, but if you get injured, it's, you're, it's, you're on your own? When all of these things kind of came to mind while I was actually just talking uh, to Lily for that short period of time. And I just thought, I wonder what it's like. And, you know, I did see a few weeks ago, I think it was one of the players, Lewis, who was, who was up watching, um, up watching, um, I think it was at Crystal Palace of the plane, and uh, Kaylee Balfour, who was a, a former LCL player, um, serious injury, leg brace, etc. The rehab was, is, is happening. But I, again, I thought, wow, what does that mean for you as a player? How are you dealing with all of that? Um, and how are you able to 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 maintain what you're doing as as a sports person? Um, the financial benefits for you? What's what's happening? Um, I love to ask questions because I just think it just adds to the conversation. It really really does. Um, now before uh, we wrap things up, what I did get to do was speak to um, Melissa Phillips and Amy Rogers um, before, uh, at, oh, sorry, before at the end of the game, at the end of the game. And, um, you know, I'd say that Amy Rogers is a young player, very, very media savvy, media savvy. And I did ask a cheeky question uh, to Melissa Phillips, but I'll, that'll go out on, on Twitter in terms of, of uh, <laughs> in terms of the league. Uh, what's going to happen there, and and an extra. So look, here we are. We're gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna bring them in, and we're gonna hear a little bit from Mel Phillips and um, uh, Amy Rogers. Ooh, there we are. There we go. There we go. Scored in the first half uh, is something that she trains every single day at the end of a session. Um, so it's no surprise that it comes off. It's it's fantastic to see her rewarded for the way that she prepares and as a professional. Um, and I think there were some brilliant performances throughout. Obviously, we had a debut in, in Katie Kitching today. Uh, Sinead Hopcroft, a new signing with it, her first start. I think Molly was absolutely fantastic to see the game out when she dropped into the holding midfield role uh, to break up play. And we had a lot of contributors come off the bench. Um, and, and a lot of really solid performances throughout. So, and then again, I didn't mention Haley Nolan. See, the list goes on. So, I think it's credit to the group. It's an extremely competitive uh, in training environment that we have right now, and so it's it's very difficult to get in the team. But as you can see, we've got a lot of depth and a lot of players who can contribute. Yeah, well, it's obviously good to score a goal. Like it's what you want as an attacking midfielder, but. Obviously, it's more about the win for me. Like we want the win, and I'm more happy that we converted the five goals, really. But like Mel said, like I practice that shot all the time in training. So when it's obviously lined up in the perfect position, obviously I'm going to shoot. And I was happy it went in, but I was more happy about getting the two-nil lead, really. Whoa! Um, at that point, it was two-nil. When she scored, she scored two-nil. She was happy about two-nil. Who, who knew that the game would go on and end five-one? Um, but nice to hear from her, uh, and and thanks to Mel for spending the time at the end. Because you know when you watch football and you you see the management team standing in the rain in the cold, and it was bloody cold. Uh, they're desperate to get in and be warm as well, but they have to do 
these things afterwards where they speak to uh, the media and are kind enough to to share their thoughts on the game and, and to do so so quickly as well because I know if I, I if I'd lost a game as a player I wouldn't want to talk to anyone. Um, so anyway, so there's that. Um, London City Lionesses, Bristol, it's on, it's happening. Um, two teams uh, in and around the top of the table. Liverpool are top with 38 points and it looks like it's theirs. It looks like it's theirs. Uh, London City Lionesses on 28 points. Charlton on 27 points. Bristol City on 26 points. Bristol City and London City, London City Lionesses have only played 14 games. So this game coming up will be, bring them up to speed with Liverpool and Charlton and we'll see what happens then. It's going to be fireworks indeed. Fireworks indeed. And I'm looking forward to it. Love the championship. Love the FAWC. This is what it's all about. You, everyone loves it. Why not? Everyone loves, uh, literally loves the FAWC. Love it. Anyway, uh, that's it from me for this roundup of the FAWC and the WSL and other interesting facts. So until next time, laters.